So here we are with Captain Spectacular in the flesh. Hello, Mr. Townsend. Good to meet you here in Las Vegas, the home of many a rogue like myself. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And remember, if you sign up for the automated Talk is Jericho email notifications, thank you so much. And if you haven't yet, what are you waiting for, man? Just go to podcastone.com slash Jericho. Get on board. Be in the know. When it comes to this show, we're going to tell you who's coming up, what guests we got coming up, what we're going to be talking about, the topics, all the things we discuss, all the things we chat about. And we're going to send the episodes right to your email as well. So sign up now at podcastone.com slash Jericho. Get all the information. Be a part of the TIJ army. Here we go. And so The Rock today is back on TIJ. I'm not talking about The Rock. I'm talking about rock and roll, man. I've got a great musician, a very quirky Canadian, and a huge, huge star worldwide who was discovered by Steve Vai. He uh, sang in Steve Vai's first solo record. He also might possibly have some controversial pictures on the internet from time to time. That He also caused a little trouble at The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Wait to hear that story involving nudity and a telephone it's not pretty but it's funny and that's the perfect description for mr devin townsend that's right he ain't pretty but he is hilarious you'll also hear the story about how i ended up playing captain spectacular on devin ziltoid 2 album and how we won a juno for the damn thing that's right a juno award a canada's version of a grammy we won a juno together devin's also got some great stories about his time with his mentor steve Vai and how he ended up singing at that band how he quit uh, involves him uh, basically throwing steve Vai's guitar rig down the set of stairs lots of stuff coming up we're talking about the devin townsend project's latest album transcend came out last fall and Devin and his band are on the road in support of that album in Europe right now they got dates this weekend in France and Spain then they head off to Switzerland and Germany and then the US leg the second US leg of the Transcendence tour starts May 6th in Philadelphia he's going out with Opeth and Gojira what a great bill you can get tickets for all of his dates at heavydevy.com that's H-E-V-Y-D-E-V-Y.com that's Devin's website heavydevy.com find out the shows find out the, uh, the tour dates get some tickets and settle on in to laugh your ass off at the very quirky, crazy musical genius uh, and a little bit of uh, a little bit of a pervert as well. <laughs> Devin Townsend coming up next. The Forbes interview from Podcast One just launched with the king of podcasting, Adam Carolla. On February 1st, we're dropping a new show. It's called Forbes Under 30, where we talk to young entrepreneurs, hosted by me, Steve Goldblum. It's interesting because when you're a creator, that never leaves you. You always have this urge to want to create. Like, it's just who you are. You like you like the girl from Wreck-It Ralph. She knew she was a driver the whole time. That's Martellus Bennett, one of our first guests. Who knew this NFL star was also an artist? He's that and much more. Subscribe to Under 30 on iTunes now. And be sure to give us a rating and a review. Talk is Jericho. All right, we are uh, in Las Vegas. Two Canadians in Las Vegas, eh? Hey, how's it going there, Chris? What's up there, bud? How's it going, bud? I'm just good. I'm in the backyard working in my car with Larry there. (laughs) With Larry, with Uh, Gordy. Yeah, he's good. Gord's working too, yeah. Every guy in Canada's name is Gord. Yeah, and we all, it's funny too, because I don't know if it's the same with you, but it's like when I first started working in the States, my reaction to people that have that idea of what it means to be Canadian, it's just always been, like I get so frustrated by it. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? It's like somebody who's got a perfectly normal and articulate way about them will interrupt you halfway through your sentence to say, 
you said A. <laughs> yes. And I'm thinking after the second time, it's just, it's not funny. Are you from Canada? They'll say, because I heard your accent. Yeah. Okay, so if I go and talk to somebody from New Orleans... On, you can totally tell they're Cajun. Do I go? Sure. So, oh, excuse me. Are you from New Orleans? Because I can hear your accent. Say that cute thing again. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But it was funny. It was like the last time I was in LA. Like I was working with some guys, and they kept every time I'd say, "They said, oh, you said a boat. Yeah. You said a." And then finally, I was just like, "Dude, like this is fucking making me crazy, right?" But uh, it's my own deal. I've had yeah. to get over it, right? But you never notice how much of an accent we have as Canadians. Until you go abroad, because I, when I was growing up, I never thought Canadians had an accent. And then as soon as you go somewhere else, like oh, you're from Canada. How did you know that your accent is so obvious? Uh, and now you can tell. Can you though? Can you tell really? I, I think now, like when you came in the room, now that I know you're Canadian, I can hear your accent. Oh, really? But yeah, I think if someone knows what a Canadian accent is, they'll be able to tell. If we go, like, if we go to L.A. or something, yes. Yeah. If you go to, you know, Mississippi, they won't have a clue. Maybe it's just, you know, it's like that sort of so insular in your own head so much that I think to myself, like, I can't hear anything about the way that I speak that's yeah. fundamentally different. <laughs> and, you know, I got some other buddies that are just like, oh, Canada seems like such a weird thing. I'm like, well, it's a tenth of the population. And, yeah. you know, our KFC has corn. And, you know, per capita, there's less Walmart. <laughs> so it's a totally different culture. Right? Our KFC is corn. True. <laughs> I used to love these to have uh, corn fritters mm. with honey, mm. and they were only available in Canada. So I'd always get the the, the big, uh, you know, the, the the five piece, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. And then the corn nuggets, and you dip them in the honey. Probably heart attack on a stick, but damn it, they tasted you good. See, and that's why the two cultures will never be able to <laughs> They'll never combine. That's it, man. But here's my favorite thing though about this. So in Canada, uh, the Canadian version of a Grammy is a Juno. Yeah. And I have a Juno sitting on my uh, mantle in my in my front front room which my wife then moved into our room which then I moved back into our front room which we want a Juno together. Yeah. Well, let me rephrase that. You want a Juno no. and I was on it. Can we do a high five? Do you think people would hear that? I think that was you. All right. Here. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, oh, yeah. That connection. That too. was a Juno high five. Yeah, man. That was one of the coolest moments when I uh, go to the mail and I open up the mailbox and there's a freaking Juno in there. This thing is huge, <laughs> man. That was great. We won that for uh, Z2, yeah. your Ziltoid album. Yeah. Which was amazing. Can I take this opportunity now to thank you Please. for being involved with this? Because someone asked me the other day, they said, How did you get Chris Jericho to be involved with this? And I'm thinking, other than the fact that you're from Winnipeg yeah. and we got some mutual friends, my answer to that is clearly I have no idea <laughs> really it's like because you went up, you ended up going in because we did the Royal Albert show and you ended up going to a buddy's place and you wore like a cape no and, dude, dude it's even worse than that so let me re- re- go back a bit so okay. so what we're talking about here for those of you who don't know is is, uh, is Devin did a record called uh, Z2 which is Ziltoid which is a, a concept record which is very very popular to your fans uh, and we'll get into the whole thing worldwide your fans where I played Captain Spectacular which was a voiceover we met briefly at the Golden God Awards in England when I hosted it. Mm-hmm. And I've always known about you from A, from your music, and B, because you produced Stuck Mojo's second record, Pig Walk. Correct. So Rich Ward loves Devin Towns and always talking with Devin, 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 Devin. So we almost had a mutual friend in the first place. Of course. And, that's, and then a couple of months after I met you backstage, I get this email to ask me to play Captain Spectacular. Well, you, 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 again, so here's the Ziltoid thing. For me, I'm... You know, I got 30 records full of stuff, dubious quality in a lot of ways, and some of it's not too bad, but the whole idea with Ziltoy is I got sober a bunch of years back and had a kid, and all of a sudden, my love for Jim Henson and the Dark Crystal and all that stuff manifested as this rubber sock puppet alien that in hindsight is probably just a, a metaphor for sex. But at some point, 
all of a sudden I start thinking, well, what's Z2 going to be about? Like, and who's the characters? And, and uh, in the first, on the first album, I had this idea of this Captain Spectacular. And then when it came time for the second one, it was like, well, we're going to ramp everything up. Who could possibly be Captain Spectacular? And Chris, I have to tell you, there was never another alternative. And so when I contacted Rich, my first uh, mail to him was, look, this is going to be a long shot because I've only met Chris this one time. But it has to be this way because clearly... There's nobody else that can be Captain Spectacular. So thank you very much for being involved, brother. So then you sent me some uh, some lines. Yeah. Because by the way, like I was like totally into it. And then for I, then once again, the answer is why did you do it? And I'm like I'm not sure. Maybe because I probably have about six of your thirty records. Yeah, wicked. I remember in Japan about Ocean Machine. I have a couple strapping young lads. That's I have wicked. Sex and Religion. Yeah. So I thought, well, well, this could be cool. And so you sent me some dialogue, and I remember I tracked it on my little on this on this Zoom recorder we're using right now. So sick. And I sent it back to you like uh, all this is bad can you please redo it and i was like oh. <laughs> did i say that well it was, it was not so direct oh it was my like, god i think because i didn't I, I don't know exactly what i what i was wanting to do yeah and so like, why don't you try this with this and i have like this kind of this weird british accent and i am captain spectacular what do you want ziltoid so there you go so then it worked and you're like i love it it's great and so you send it off and you never think about it again right, right? so then fast forward i guess a year later ziltoid has become a huge hit <laughs> And you're playing the Royal Albert Hall, which for those who don't know is 5,000 capacity, one of the most prestigious venues you can play in all of Europe and all of England, and you've sold the f*** out yeah. with the Ziltoid show. Sure, yeah. Which was huge. Well, it was great, and it, it sold out really quickly, and here's the best part about it. If there's anything that underlines what it is that I'm trying to do, and one of the reasons why I enjoy our interactions thus far, and specifically that one, is I just really want everything to be an elaborate middle finger in some way. You know, it's like to be able to take a theme that fundamentally makes no sense and has very limited commercial potential and blow it up to the point where you, you've got a ton of great minds and interesting artistic temperaments mm -hmm. like trying to find solutions for how do we make this big farting set of testicles <laughs> like get across the stage between this part and the other right and, and i mean i don't know man maybe it's just the petulant part of me that won't give it up but i love the ability to be able to do that mm -hmm. and i gotta tell you the next thing we're working on is let's like it, once you get away with it once, it's a slippery slope, right? See, so. but that's the thing. You have gotten this this very rare thing where you can do whatever you want, and you've got a huge fan base that that buys into it. And it's all great stuff. But like you said, listening today with uh, listen to Z2, and like it's 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 almost a comedy album. You're laughing in parts at yeah. some of the dialogue, like oh, you you you're so heavy and yet so cheesy. <laughs> and it's like you 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 just ha you're amusing yourself, which you have this giant fan base that is amused as well. You know what? Thank you, number one. But I, I, you know, you, you're saying you're here with your buddy that you've known for a long time. Mm. Same with me. Here's my thing that I find the most creatively satisfying with all this is I've got a bunch of really good friends. And a lot of them are people that I've spent many years with. You know, I've been married for so long. I, I mean, I like commitment. I like long-term things. You know, we're running a marathon and not a sprint. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of that, how these creative things happen is everybody gets together, drinks a bunch of coffee, and it always starts with, wouldn't it be funny if... if. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. And, it's, and, and also on a, on a side note, hearing you do the Captain Spectacular voice <laughs> is so good. I, know. I just I listened to it today. I was like, wow, that wasn't bad. It was so good. And But seeing you actually do it, I'm like, oh my God, that's him. <laughs> <laughs> you just did this. Because 
and, and what you were alluding to earlier was we were on a Fozzie tour last year. I think it was in April, maybe, or something like this. And they were like, okay, Devin wants you to do some green screen as Captain Spectacular. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. Like, okay, when do you want to do it? Some guy was emailing me. He's like, I'll come to Tampa. And it's like, well, I'm not going to be here. And it's like, I'll be in Manchester, England. We have a show that day. Let's do it then. Yeah. So I had to go to some studio on a show day, which, as you know, as a singer, sometimes Sucks. you're not feeling great. Sucks. And go into this green screen room. It was in the back of a music store. Yeah, we're budget. Green screen. Yeah. <laughs> so I show up. There's a plastic bag with open up, and it's like the most generic Superman costume ever without an S on it. It's like blue spandex with the red cape. And I got it. He's like, okay. like you have to put this on. Yeah, Devin wants you to put on. I'm like, Fuck, you guys are lucky I like Devin. It's so good, though. I, it, well, I'm sure it was amazing, but at the time, it's like, I got to get off the bus at like 11. I usually sleep till 3 p.m. You know how road life is. I got to tell you, <laughs> when this interview is over, man, we're going to make out because it's like this whole thing is just... And, and every time you did it, too, because, I mean, I'm sure it's similar with you. It must be that you think, I'm going to throw out there what the ultimate scenario is. Right. And if I get... Five percent of that, mm. we're still doing it, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. awesome. And so, to meet people, specifically people like yourself, people we're plural now, I guess. But uh, <laughs> people, you know, both of us, yeah. all of us in the room here. <laughs> but I mean, you've got you've had a, an amazing career, mm-hmm. and the fact that when we got the stuff back, I was thinking he's not going to put on the leotard. There's no way. Well, of course I am. But it did. You know I would. It was so awesome. You know I would. But the hardest part was when you gave me the lyric sheet to read. You know, months earlier, I'm reading it off the paper. Now I have to memorize the shit yeah. and say it, or maybe I was lip syncing it or whatever it was. But I was like, oh my gosh, this is hard because there's a lot of dialogue. I was there for like three and a half hours. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, no, Thank but dude, because I was thinking, I heard, I actually read in Metal Hammer some of the review of the Royal Albert Hall show. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, Five stars oh, is the yeah. best thing ever. It's the new Pink Floyd, The Wall. <laughs> it's the greatest thing. Uh-huh. So h- how exactly did the show work at the Royal Albert Hall? Well, I mean, we had uh, a couple opportunities prior to sort of work out our um, our creative force. And like I was saying a minute ago, my whole trip is a bunch of people that have failed over and over and over <laughs> to the point where now we are not really afraid of that failure and that allows us to sort of take things to a level that uh, are maybe is maybe perceived as being you know way over the top right so we did a bunch of shows in uh, the UK over the past prior years we did uh, the roundhouse and we did this thing with this huge we made this massive vagina and this massive penis that ended up like having this collision and then there's all these <laughs> rope dancers and we had to hire this circus who were like thoroughly confused <laughs> right. you know like at this part here you guys need to explode through the vagina and then we're going to just chuck a penis at you right <laughs> and they're just like oh okay <laughs> so and on that one we had so many technical hurdles to to get over that when we went through it and managed to sort of scrape our way through it and through a bunch of failures like technical like failures mm-hmm. by the time we got to the royal albert it was just like oh sure yeah. Okay. Well, this time, why don't we have this? We'll have all the risers and these big screens and all this big stuff. Puppets. That's it, man. Yeah. And so the next one that we're doing, like, I can't, I can't divulge because it's of <laughs> such significance. What's yeah. happening next? But man, where we're gonna take it from here? It's like I feel like again, a petulant twelve-year-old is like, oh, I got away with that. <laughs> what about this? What about this? It must be so exciting for you though, because and we'll get into how you came into the business. But now, like, over the years, like I said earlier, you've been able to carve out this niche for yourself, where it's Devon Town 
Townsend. You know it's going to be wacky. You know it's going to be unique. And you know it's going to be amazing. Because musicianship-wise, let's not forget and never deny the fact that you're a, a virtuoso. Your stuff is great. Your hooks are great. I'm not just saying that because you're here. It's heavy. It's melodic. It's very much you. How did you get to the point, here we are in 2016, almost 2017, where you're able to just basically do whatever the you want in this world where it's still so regimented on this guy's metal this guy's rock this guy's pop how were you able to get to that point well two things first off relationships honestly it's like when you're touring and you know i work with people that you've worked with as well and i hear a very similar thing about the way that you have managed to sort of make the hierarchy of your touring crew work and that is there is none really mm -hmm. it's like everybody sort of relies on each other to do these things and i think if you can foster an attitude and an environment of of positivity creatively and making sure everybody keeps it in check you know i mean whether or not it's the uh the egocentricities or all these things then ultimately you're going to have a bunch of people that create a team where the deficiencies are evened out just by the fact that you've got a bunch of different personalities mm -hmm. there's one thing but secondly it's failing I know a bunch of people who have never failed and as a result of that are afraid to do anything. Mm. You know, I got a buddy that we were going to do like an improv thing together and he's like, I can't do it. <laughs> and I was trying to figure out why and it took me a little while to recognize, well, this guy's been in a band that has never done anything that has been significantly right. like panned. And so when it comes to just like letting it rip and playing notes, it's like there's this veil of like, I can't allow myself to be publicly humiliated mm -hmm. see i never had that problem because since <laughs> the very beginning it's been humiliation and failure and all these sorts of things but i love doing it so much and i'm surrounded by such good people that eventually you're just in this position where it's like well what do we got to lose what's the worst that can happen you know, that's an interesting thing, especially when you mention, like, if you go on ro on the road and you have a good crew. And, and the first thing is that everybody's a good, maybe not a good person, but but cool. I mean, right. some, some cool yeah, people yeah. are <laughs> degenerates and horrible. Terrible people. But, but let, let the guys do their job. Like, if you have a sound man or sound woman like Lisa, which mm -hmm. I didn't even know she was on the road with you until you sent that picture. Totally. Let her do her job. You know she's good. Let the bass player play his part. You do your thing. You do your thing. I find that always works and it's almost like um, the proverbial giving the dog a bone if he does something right let the professionals be professional and you'll always have a better team that gives you a better show because no one feels the pressure of like oh f up i'm in trouble exactly right exactly and i think that's where a lot of times specifically if you're running a situation that's rooted around you mm -hmm. you know devon towns right project, it's your thing it's my thing but ultimately i've learned uh, through kids i think more than anything mm -hmm. else that what I'm good at, I should focus on. And the things that I'm not good at, the only reason why you would want to control those things is because you've got an insecurity. Great point. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. And so now it's exactly what you say. It's like, let the bass player play the bass. Yeah. You're hiring somebody to do, to do sound or to do lights. I don't do that. Mm -hmm. I may have like a vague idea of what I'd like to portray, but ultimately by trying to to control this sort of chaos, all you're going to do is make yourself mad, right? I think uh, it's like this in wrestling, and it's like this with a band. If you if, if you consider like a, like a great hockey team, because we're from Canada, exactly. or football team, because this is a majority of U.S. audience, you let you know you put the team together, and if one guy's job is to play one 
you know, if your job is just to play the, 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 the penalty killing and only time he plays if there's a penalty kill and you go up there and kill it, your team will win. Right. You know, if I'm the center and then I'm skating over the left wing and then I'm skating to the goal and then I'm doing, you're, gonna, you're, not gonna, you're never going to do that. You're going to lose. Exactly. Right? I, and, and because, you know, I, I hang my head in shame because I was never particularly good at sports. I know it might be hard to tell just by <laughs> yeah. looking at the opposing You're a strapping young stick. lad. You see it, Well, right? strapping middle-aged Glad lad at this point. Uh, very middle-aged. <laughs> so here's the thing. Like, I'm going to take that sports analogy and bring it back to something as nerdy as, as I believe I can portray, and that is Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, man. right? Man, totally. So, I was a huge Dungeons & Dragons guy. You were? Yes. All right. I was yes. too until all of a sudden my dungeon master, I was like rolling the dice to see how many times you know the orc got yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I was like, I hit puberty, and all of a sudden I'm just like, whoa, she's the female orc walks in the room. You're banging the orcs. 20 times with the dice, right? How, how does that work? Did you make up your own system for, I just for sex? I all of a sudden realized, uh, you know what? I didn't. There's no Dungeons and Dragons sex roles. Well, now there should be. Oh, there should be. And now we need to get this <laughs> yeah. happening. So if you have the 20 sided die right, and you roll right. over a 10, then okay. you're lucky. And if it's under a 10, she slaps you in the face. Well, maybe with her orc under hands. 10, you're like on the bottom. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. right, right. <laughs> okay. Dude, this could be good. This, we got a whole new thing here. Like Dungeon. Gary Gygax, I don't know if you're alive or not, but if you are, give us a call. Devin and I got some ideas for you. What would be the name? Uh, well, Dungeons and Dragons and Dungeons. Dungeons and Dragons thing. and Dungeons. It's an SM thing. I like it. D D and D. D D. Yeah. Well, exactly. here's the thing: is like, okay, so my analogy for that, in the same way you're talking about with sports, is you may have a wizard, mm -hmm. and he's got, you know, he's the ability to cast spells, but he can't protect himself. Right. You know, what I mean, yeah. he's got pudding head or something, mm -hmm. right? And then you've got the other guy that wields a battle axe and yeah. is not particularly good at math, right. right? But you get a bunch of differential. Differential. That's a good word. Yeah. Thanks. It is. Different. We're Canadian. There's a bunch of. That's Canadian for. Um, uh, for different. Different. Yeah. Uh, characters in one place and then the goal is ultimately you get a really strong team and yeah. everybody plays their role what was your uh, big big guy in dungeons and dragons Balaric. he was a 16th level cleric yeah, yeah. Now, is he, did he live or did he die? no my buddy killed him and it sucked at that point because it was like right in line with the testicles dropping the whole dungeons and dragons episode ended up just Ending so poorly. Terribly. Yeah, and I was so mad, too, because it was a passive-aggressive thing. You're bringing me back to this. Well, because I, 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 I have a, a retort for you. That's okay, why please. I have one, too. But first of all, how did uh, Balaric die? You know, it's such a scarring memory. Ooh. I don't even okay. remember. Well, yeah. I remember every little thing as if it happened only yesterday. And I ain't talking about Paradise by the Dashboard Light, Devin. Go. Okay, my guy was Haltane. Okay. He was a paladin. He was. was yes, which is kind of like uh, a warrior, but more of like a knight, like a like a glorious knight. And I don't remember what level he was on, but dude, I had hit points on pop the hit points. I had treasures and battle axes and magic and spells. I was the shit, man. He came up against a chromatic dragon. Dude. Which if you know anything about Dungeons and Dragons. I do, and I'm very sorry for your Thanks, loss. Thanks, man. Because that's that's punishing. For those of you who don't know, it's the worst guy you can Ever. get. It, the chromatic dragon is the worst of the chain of dragons and basically killed me in like three blasts of his fiery breath where I had like 90 hit points 60 30 dead was and it your buddy that was doing it too? yes oh Colin Swanston forget that guy from Wordsworth Way out of here man. Uh, yeah I've, I have a big I, I got a bone to pick with you if I ever see your ass again you <laughs> stupid idiot when you wait till he plays D D and D he's <laughs> under 10 every time yeah, exactly <laughs> do you know be great is as well as if you could take it to the point where it has like real world ramifications yeah. too so it's not just hit points you lose it's like your house Right, mortgage payment. That's it. Kid gets pulled out of private school. Yeah. Has to take the bus. <laughs> I don't white, think 
Wife, Colin's kid's not impressed. Wife is cool. cheating on you with an orc. Yeah. yeah see, if if he was the type of guy that would nail you with a chromatic yeah. dragon, his kid's not in not private school. school. No, 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 no. Barely making it through public. Barely. In the, in the bottom half. Yeah, he's got a he's got a backpack that's S- anus. <laughs> scraping <laughs> scraping through with a sixty-two percent average. D D D coming soon to a bunch of sad, emotionally troubled middle-aged men near you. Near you. <laughs> All right, man. So uh Debbie, the first time I ever saw you was when uh you were saying Singing in the in the Steve Vai video, and you were bald and wearing leather pants, leather jacket. We used to call you Hellraiser. You look like the Hellraiser guy, Pinhead. And that was in 1992, before being bald was cool. You were bald before bald was cool, dude. And let's talk about Steve Vai and how you got that gig. But before we do, I want to talk about another Hellraiser I know. He's raising hell in the fitness world and making yoga cool again. Great segue. Talking about Diamond Dallas Page and his amazing DDPY program. DDPY is more than just a workout program. It's a healthier way to live. And man, does Dallas make it easy for you to do just that you know that I'm a believer I'm a believer and a user of the DDPY program I am proof that it works just look at my Royal Rumble match I mean come on man I'm doing some of the best work in my entire career and it's thanks to DDP yoga I am the Royal Rumble uh, record holder four hours 56 minutes 12 seconds I am the 61 minute man a lot of that thanks to DDP yoga so get your health and fitness on track with DDPY just like I did and now is the time now is the time you got to take advantage of this tremendous deal that Dallas is offering. What's the tremendous deal, you might say? I'm going to tell you. First of all, you get 25% off all DDPY merch and swag. And when you buy a max pack or a combo pack, you'll get a second one for 50% off the price that's already 25% off. That's ridiculous. You can get all that if you go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. And yeah, when you buy the DDPY DVDs, you also get three months of the DDP Yoga Now app. And with that app, you can do DDPY anytime, anyplace, anywhere, right from your phone or tableta. The app not only lets you do all the workouts right from your phone, it also has a bunch of other cool features, special features to keep you on that path to healthy living and ddp yoga now app subscribers won't ever get bored doing the same workouts over and over again because ddp's added completely new 2.0 workouts and weekly live workouts from the ddp yoga performance center listen man i gotta tell you i i use the i say that workout that way because uh hounds and fries is that when you go for the workout we like the workout kind of the variation of the arnold schwarzenegger uh, so it makes me laugh so i'm gonna keep doing it so yeah weekly live workouts from the ddp yoga performance center And like I said, Dallas is offering you this incredible deal on DDPY. You're getting 25% off all DDPY merch and DVDs. And if you buy a max pack or a combo pack, you'll get a second one for 50% off. Once again, that's 50% on top of the 25% you already got. It's getting confusing around here, but it's cheap is what it means. Just go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. That's all you got to do to take advantage of this great deal. ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Go check it out. Change your life today. Get in the best physical and mental shape of your life and do it now. Talk is Jericho. Yeah, let's talk about uh, the first time I ever saw you, and um, it, it was it was funny because I see the uh, video for was Sex and Religion, the Steve Vai record. It was just Vi. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the, what was the first video. It was Deep called? down into the pain, I think. Deep down into the pain. That yeah. was the song called. Yeah, it's called that. <laughs> yeah, don't giggle. It's serious. <laughs> is this real? <laughs> but the best part was here's the thing. So I'm with my friend Lenny, and, and we were we were watching uh, the Vi album, the Vi video, and you come on. Yeah. Bald in like 1992. No one's bald. Yeah. yeah. Total leather jacket, leather pants. We're like, this guy looks like the Hellraiser guy. <laughs> we were called. I guess Hellraiser is awesome. Yeah. Hellraiser is great. So we love the Hellraiser yeah. on that record, which would be you. 
Well, it was such an interesting experience for me because I was 19, you know, and it That's was like, crazy. dude, tell me about it. I'm 44 now, man. Yeah. Excuse me. Nice. So thanks. Very good. <laughs> yeah. That's a water. Arrowhead, right. everybody. Yeah. There I you go. Endorse it. We spiked it. You did. Yes. And now it's a roofie. I'm out. We're ready for the DD and D yeah. live. <laughs> I'm going over 10, man. Fingers crossed. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, with the Vi thing, it was like I was 19, dude, and I moved to LA, and I had all from the, Vancouver. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pie in the eye, like the is that pie in the sky? Pie, well, pie in the eye is good too. Like ah. Got an eye full you, of you were a vaudevillian comedian, apparently. <laughs> how are you? Yeah, how are you? God, who wants the pie in the you, eye? You, you oh, got shit. on laughing with. Uh... Okay, I gotta finish the story. Okay, Chris. Sorry. So okay, so basically, where was I? What uh, did we I were do? talking about you were pie in the pie in the eye, pie I was in the getting, sky. I was a vaudevillian performer in the twenties. <laughs> right. I had a hat, and it was a very specific one. It was a velveteen type that only turned and types of and 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 we sang one monocle dripping down from the eye. <laughs> so you moved from Vancouver to LA to find your fame and fortune. I did, and I'm right. and my At nineteen. My idealism was such that when I moved to LA, I thought to myself. Well, clearly what's going to happen is I'm going to go here and I'm going to become a big star and everybody's going to really like, you know, my connection to the rain and all these things that I felt like creatively. To the rain. I love it. That's the oh, whole okay. thing. Vancouver, man. I, I oh, write yeah, based yeah. on the fact that the, the weather there is constantly raining. Yeah. Moved to L.A. and everything I started writing sounded like Smash Mouth. And it was like, that's not the truth. I love Smash Mouth. So basically. Um, <laughs> this, is a, this is not a cut down against Smash Mouth. It isn't. I love Any that, Smash man. Mouth fans. Right. Man is well be walking on the sun. There you go. Do you know that song? I know I it. That song. Yeah. So, they have another I, one too. I, I went down there and it was like, but at the time it was like, I, I loved Vi when I was in my teens. Well, who didn't? Yeah. David Lee Roth Band. That was it. Zappa. That was it. You must have loved Zappa. I, well, I didn't actually. Really? Yeah, I liked him. But I always felt like he was. Uh, you know, and this is a hard. This, it's actually a hard thing to uh, to put across because the the Zappa fans are really like serious, super hardcore. Yeah, and I mean, I would never in a million years deny his brilliance, and and a thousand times more than no, I. No, of ever course, be. of course. I just felt like he used his uh, intellect in a sense that sounded condescending to me. Mm. It was more like I'm really smart, and I've mm-hmm. got a bunch of really smart people playing with a xylophone here, you know, and you're <laughs> and really piccolo, dumb, yeah. right? And and I. But I think he's brilliant. I never liked the tonalities, but you know who I did like and I loved was Captain Beefheart. Ah. Because it was a very similar kind of creative trip, yeah. But it was oblivious to the fact that he was out of his mind. Hmm. And I loved that because Captain Beefheart was like, I'm going to write a pop record. And it's like, and people like, that's sure dude so i like that aspect of it but when i went down there with vi it was like because of the the zappa fans and all this sort of stuff i i just didn't i didn't jive with it plus that was right at the time when like nirvana and Soundgarden sure. and pearl jam and like for me a Godflesh and and napalm death and i sort of moved out of that kind of guitar centric stuff and as a 19 year old i really wanted my identity mm-hmm. to be seen independent of Steve and so I came into that uh, experience well how did you get the gig in the first place well I'd sent a demo to Relativity Records and they had signed my band to a deal and because what was your band called it was called Noisecapes yeah, dubious. And then because dubious. it was, man, noisecapes, oh, come, on. come on. It really rolls off the tongue. My right? high school band was Scimitar. See, that's good, though. <laughs> no, no, no. What is a Scimitar? It's, see, you ever seen uh, Sinbad the Sailor with that curved that's sword? Awesome. That's a Scimitar. And the T in Scimitar yeah. was a curved sword. I, you see? There you go. Dude. That was my band. I think that's awesome. Well, it's not as good as noisecapes. Noisecapes suck. Come okay. on, dude. I appreciate it. Future though, tour, noisecapes and Scimitar, Scimitar. co-headlining right. tour, All right. coming to a uh, middle-aged <laughs> Aged uh, problem, child problem near you. childhood near you. Yeah, no, I uh, 
I, it was. So you sent the the demo to Relative yeah, Records. I did, yeah. Right. And then I got signed to that, and Steve needed a singer, so I went down, did the Steve thing, and then so it they, was. So uh, they called you and said, "Listen, Steve Vine needs a singer. Can you come did. down? Did yeah. you have long hair? Or were you bald at that point? I had long hair. I had that type of hair that Faith No More had. You know what I mean? Where they shave the sides yeah, and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was only about. Uh, six months after I went to LA, that it all started falling out. Oh yeah, because you had a wicked skullet for a while, dude. Yeah, well, that, and that's also the petulant part as well, where like <laughs> someone was like giving me a hard time about going bald. Screw you, like, male part pattern it. baldness. That's it. I'm just gonna grow it. I'll frame it. <laughs> but what you wore glasses too. You look like a crazy genius. And it's funny because I look back at these images from 15 years ago now, and I think to myself like, God, how did someone not just pull me aside? <laughs> I had friends. Can. Really? <laughs> Can they tell me? Come on, yeah, dude. dude come here, man. Even my wife. I mean, now I look. <laughs> I'm like, well, why did you why did you sleep with that guy? It's like messed up, man. I like skeletons. What can I say? Um, she didn't. She had a, I'm mad at her now. <laughs> she just ignored it. Her, yeah. She ignored it. So well, you had the did you have an audition with Steve? No. I just oh. I just moved there. What so you just you were so great, you just moved there and they said, Here's a gig. Well, that was it. What? And it, and it was funny because when I moved down there, I had never auditioned, I had never sang for him, and he just had me come down. And it was like up to the day that the tracking of the record actually began, I never sang a note for him. And I was wow. so nerved up, dude, like, as you would imagine, because I never considered myself a singer. Mm -hmm. It was, you were a guitar player at that point? Yeah, I just started singing because every other singer that I tried to audition was a douche. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, I'll just do this and see if I can do it in tune. And so that was it. I moved down there, and it was like two months of just living in L.A. and, like, freaking out about the fact that I know I'm not good. Mm -hmm. And then he just kind of had me go in there and I guess because he had committed to it and because perhaps he liked where I was at creatively or emotionally or whatever he decided to commit to producing it mm. and the ramifications of that ultimately led to strapping I think because uh, to this day being told how to articulate emotions is something that just sends me over the, wow. the top and that's why even why I said earlier the rain the way that I write has always been connected to uh, things that are not technical, like uh, I guess it's synesthesia or whatever. Where I great know, word, yeah, it's good, isn't it? It's like synesthesia. <laughs> four, Be great on Scrabble. Syllables. You'd beat me in Scrabble. I'm multisyllabic. If words for friends was still a thing, you would kill me right now. Well, I think that my undulating multisyllabic syllable. Yeah, no, I'm really good with those, man. <laughs> I get paid by the syllable. I feel so lugubrious that you just did that right you now. You don't look it though. I, I kind of I'm when I came in, I was professional. Thinking, I'm trying yeah. to, inside lugubriosity is hitting me right it, now. Dude. Yeah. You know what, man? We we amp each other up so much. We do, dude. It's like there's a great connection here. I know, but I keep feeling like we're both gonna have like a manic episode, <laughs> and then I try and like bring it back down. I'm like, oh my god, it's like it's fun, but then I'm like, oh yeah, but then I think, oh, but Chris has got he's got this big thing, and it's like it's like a podcast with a bunch of people What's listening. What's his listeners gotta, thinking right now? Dude, they, they still don't understand what Captain Spectacular is. I know man. you gotta check it out. You gotta check it out. Yeah, just download. Available it. on iTunes now. Don't even just download. Okay, for Take free. It all. Go Get on all. Apple Tunes. Buy a shirt. Yeah. yeah, buy a shirt. Yeah, go to the Royal Albert Hall if you're in England. If not, then just don't worry about it. Well, what is, you know? What's funny though? Just like change stuff. Yeah. So I did the Vi thing, and then I did a, a bunch of records, and it's all. No, no, yeah, no. Yeah. But, but I don't want. I don't want to gloss over it because here's the thing. Okay. Listen, go. this is and it's interesting to me. I'm sure you've told the score story a hundred times, but never on this show. Okay. So to me, it's interesting. You're a 19 year old kid, and you move from Vancouver to LA yeah, yeah. to find your fame and fortune. Yeah. Very, very at that point in time too is probably ninety one, ninety two, maybe ninety three. I think yep. it was ninety three. Yeah. Yeah. Steve I, yeah. David Lee Roth, White Snake, Zappa, his own shit, totally. And you're the singer yeah. for his first big kind of solo thing. You get the gig. Do you have a good relationship with Steve? Is he cool to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the time, I mean, I'm forty four now. 
he was 35. Right. Or 33. And you're 19. Dude, and, but I, I look at buddies of mine now that are 35 or 33, and I mean, it's like the, he was a legitimate rock star. Yes. You know? Like an iconic guy even That's back then, it. right. And so my perspective of him was two things. On one hand, I thought of him as Steve Vai, the guy that I liked as a teen. And, and on the other hand, when I first had my interactions with him, there was like a connection that was cool. Mm-hmm. It was like there's, there's a sense that beneath that kind of veneer that, that the 80s had, there was a guy that was, you know, awkward and very musically astute and, mm-hmm. and you know, unkind and, 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 you know, awkward. And so I really resonated with that. But then when I went down to L.A., it was one of these things where he was still trying to figure it out. And our relationship now is such that we can admit these things to each other. He's like, dude, I was going Plus through Plus you guys are, are buds now, you oh, know yeah. each other? Oh, that's oh, great. Totally. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, but he was like, dude, I was going through some crazy stuff. I had, you know, made a ton of money and I was like, I was a kid. And, you know, and so he it made was a, a huge mistakes. thing, too, because it was the first Vi. Oh, yeah. It wasn't Roth or Whitesnake or Zappa. It was Vi. And right at the point where all of a sudden the industry didn't want that. Right. You know, they wanted either him to be that or they wanted it to be like Nirvana. Yeah. So he had, I think he would admit as well, like there were certain aspects of, of controlling that that ended up backfiring on him. And there were certain aspects of my inability to articulate my discontent that resulted in me like taking a dump in his guitar case. Right? Okay, what? Yeah. <laughs> but see, that was it. And okay, so here's the best part. Here's the best part. So we did. Um, okay, that's a good. Yeah, you know what? What I I had a hard time articulating myself, mm-hmm. so I have to go where. Yeah. You got. I'm not gonna talk to you. I'm just gonna dump. That's what I was like. But I I you. And that was it. So here's the best example of that. So we did the Tonight Show. Did you really? Yeah, but check this out. It's brutal. So the uh, I'm not even, like, I just finished a book, but I can't give the specifics of it because the management at the time was this really, like, famous dude mm-hmm. who did not understand me. Mm-hmm. And so we did the Tonight Show, and... The day before, you know, they had put me in this thing where I'm supposed to rehearse all these moves and, like, how do I just... Oh, they wanted you to, to, like, dance and stuff? Like, not dance, but, like, do the, the, the whole lead thing. singer shit. The whole thing, right? And they had me look at, like, pictures of, like, Axl Rose and all oh, this stuff. Wow. And I'm going, I hate this. Like, <laughs> like, this is... And they had, you know, spent, like, a bunch of money to give me all these big fake dreadlocks that looked really cool and, like, what was ever was hip at the time, you know, like, Nine Inch Nails and all this stuff. But I was, like... Oh, my God. So the day before The Tonight Show, me and my buddy, who now lives in Long Island, who we were rooming together, who's one of my best friends still, we shaved all the hair off, shaved my eyebrows off, and as opposed to, like, the black leather suit, I went to Walmart and got a pair of gray shorts and a gray shirt and wrote all my buddy's names all over my arms and everything. You'll see it's still online. And we did it, and it was... Is this on YouTube? Oh, yeah, and it's punishing because you got like a big band and all that. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's brutal, right? Is and this you and Vi? Is, is, is it still Terry Bozio? You know, no, it was it was Abe. Who's, who, Abe, he's with like Paul McCartney. Abe Lavorio? Yeah. He was with Steve he, Vai at that yeah, point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did the tour. And who was on bass? Uh, TM Stevens. Oh, my God. That's it was like, great. That's a band of killers. Right. So you think on the surface, this, <laughs> ends, this, this night's going to end well. However... As things go, so we were in the backstage area in the green room area, and we had met everybody, and everybody was really, like, me and Mark were hanging out, and everybody was kind of like, not a peckerhead, but just like, you know, it's just kind of like the L.A. thing. You and who had met? Oh, Mark, sorry, my buddy. Was okay, got you, your friend, got you. Yeah, yeah. We were menaced together, yeah. right? So we were just like, these guys are like, 
this sucks. This sucks, you know, and Steve's in a shitty mood and everybody's doing it and, you know, Jay Leno and he's like, how are you doing there, kid? You know, and all this. We're, wearing his denim shirt. So. Canadian tuxedo. So Mark goes, we should, we should with them. So we went into the back room and there's like the office there and the green room and like the phone, all this stuff. And I was like, well, Mark, put your jacket up on the windows so no one can see, right? We locked the door and I took all my clothes off and like started doing all these poses all over the thing. And then Mark's like, you should stick the phone up your ass. So I did. And then we took a photo. It's online. Like the phone in the dressing Dude, room? If you look up online, Devin Townsend phone in ass. <laughs> It's a picture of me in the back room of The Tonight Show with the phone up my ass. And so we thought it was funny. Yeah. You know? Why wouldn't you? you know, it's funny. Yeah. So then we left, thinking nothing of it. Then we went out onto the main, Jay Leno's desk, and we took pictures mooning in, in front of the desk. <laughs> and we, great. We're going home. Anyway, next morning, phone rings. Management of the person who I can't bring up the name, who was just like, what in the f*** were you guys doing? And I was like, no, nah, we, we played the show. Like, what? And he's like, I can't believe that you did that. And I was like, we didn't. He says, did you stick the phone up your ass? Why would you do that? And I was like, no, we didn't. I did. They're like, but they had the, the cameras, like all the backstage cameras were recording the whole thing. So they've got all this image of you with the phone up your ass. And now we can't come back. So we went out on tour after that for about a year and a half. Steve, by this point, was thoroughly confused with my guitar pick saying, don't use Jay's phone, right? <laughs> Sorry, Chris. That was the best I can do. You put that on your... That was an anecdote. You put that on your guitar? Yeah, yeah. But that's an anecdote. What do you think of that? <laughs> it's a great... See? It's a pretty damn good anecdote. Thanks, But man. let me just clarify this. You All put right. on your guitar Fix. pick... Don't use Jay's phone. Fix that Steve's playing with it? I don't think he... Uh, I think he gave up by that. Were you playing guitar too with yeah, Steve? Yeah, yeah. Do you know him? I Just briefly. And like yeah. Whenever I've met Steve, he's been a perfect gentleman, but, a, but he's a rock star. Yeah. I don't know the real Steve yeah, he's, like you do. Yeah, he's cool, man. He's like, he's great, actually. He's really cool. But I mean, it's like, I don't think you can like be raised in that era mm -hmm. and like go through those experiences and, and not have it color your personality, mm -hmm. right? Like, I don't know, man. Well, especially since, I think, you know, he was, okay, so you're 44, but 10 years early. Imagine if you had a 25-year-old guy in your band. I'd hate him. And I'm sure he was kind of the same. Like, what? Oh, dude! I understand this guy because I was him once, but I'm not anymore. Yeah, you know, and now he's sticking phones up his phones ass. Phones up his ass, taking a dump in my guitar case, right? It's like, they why did you take a dump in his guitar case? I couldn't figure out how to communicate with him. I was like, I'm really upset here. Yet our paths of communication have been blocked by months of 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 dysfunctional interactions. So mm. clearly. That's the only course of action is take a shit. But I mean, uh, did he yell at you when he no, found out? No, he was out? just super confused. He was like, why would you, but why? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's like, man, I don't know, dude. It's like, uh, I feel like ultimately this whole uh, process of like learning and like trying to figure out what I want to do and all this sort of stuff. I really think that I just like having fun with my friends. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure my kids are okay. I mm -hmm. want to make sure my wife's happy. And ultimately, when I get older, man, I want to be surrounded by people who don't think I'm an asshole. Right, right, right. Right? So all this stuff that happened when you're younger, I mean, it's like, but I can't also, imagine you didn't have some Well, dude, too. trust me. Like I said, that's you why I, I, I mentioned this earlier. I'm not going to say the exact thing, but you, me, and Mike Inez from Alice in Chains have a very interesting text uh, chain that we have because we're all a little bit warped. Yes, Because you know why? You started when you were 19. Guess yeah. how old I was when I started? 19. 
Guess yeah. how old Mikey was when he got an Aussie? 22. Right. When you start at a young age, you think differently from the rest of the world. And that's not good, bad, and different. That's just the way it is. Totally. You know, you've been playing, you were in a band with a record deal with Tonight Show and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Basically, as a teenager, early 20s. Totally. Look back now. What the f- what did we know in our early 20s? Nothing. 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 Did you ever do drugs when you were a kid? Uh, not an, as a teenager, but yeah. in, when I first got in the business, I had a few issues. That was me too. Yeah. And see, that's exactly what happened. Like, I didn't do anything. Like, I was sober as a judge mm-hmm. up until after the Vi thing. And then I was like, clearly now's the time I start doing acid. <laughs> and then I remember just at that point making just a series of terrible life decisions, <laughs> right, that haunt me to this day. But... You know, I think that, like you say, when you start at that young age, man, it's like there's this combination yeah. of like insecurity and ego and all this. It's interesting because I, whenever we have shows at Madison Square Garden with WWE, there's a way that you can go where you take a right and take a right and there's a lot of traffic and you go the right way. Other times, if there's too much traffic, if I take a left and drive the, the wrong way down a one-way street, oh, I've actually got a... <laughs> Oh, Devin is here. Looks like he's actually... Is that him pooping in the... Uh... No, that's the phone. Oh, that's the phone. <laughs> I'm actually looking right now at a picture of Devin with his phone up his ass. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Good to see you. So My look, ass doesn't look like that anymore. So look up Jeff. Just Googled it, yeah, which is great. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. That, see, there it looked like two elbows <laughs> pressing together. Now it looks like two uncooked two loaves of bread. <laughs> but I can drive the wrong way down a one-way street in New York to get to the garden. And no, if any cop pulls me over, they're going to go, Hey, you can't do that. Oh, it's Jericho. Go ahead. Really? Yeah, because really? because the New York cops know our thing. And when you are young and you start off, like, you know, being in Vi's band, you have a little bit of extra pull, probably, as a guitar player, as a singer, as a musician, because they know, oh, he's in Steve Vi's band? We'll let him in the club, or whatever it may be. So it does kind of warp you a bit when you start at a young age at a, at a high level. Can I, can I say something here? It's like, Please I do. always knew that you did wrestling yeah you know what i mean i mean and i know that you're you've got a lot going on Mm. but when we first met each other and we were at the golden god golden gods yeah my thought was i like this guy you're from winnipeg and it seems like we can talk and it's cool and it's only in hindsight now like retroactively i'm finding out all this stuff about you (laughs) there's one day that you were sending me texts and mike was sending texts and i'm like looking on the phone and these Images that we sent, <laughs> these very classy images for those. But then Filth. I looked up on the TV and you were on the TV. Right. You were doing like some talk show thing. And I'm like, but, but he's wasting his time texting me. But as you know, dude, like, listen, if I text you with something fun or Mike did and you're on in five minutes, yeah, yeah. you would respond. Of course. I got, you got you're on in five minutes. Yeah, yeah, I'm on in five minutes, yeah, but yeah. I got this first. You know, when you're a kid, you're like, I got to be warm up and get me ready. I don't know what to do. Oh, yeah. Now it's just like, yeah, okay, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll be on in a couple minutes. Well, that goes back to what I was trying to say a minute ago. I mean, I really enjoy music and I really enjoy these things that I get to do and, and these creative endeavors that we go on. But ultimately, as I get older and with kids and all this stuff, man, it's like my, my I'd like to think that my identity is not so heavily invested in what I do mm-hmm. that without it, I would cease to exist or mm-hmm. I wouldn't have cool people around me, you know? And I right. think that it seems like it's the same with you. You've got like people around you that you enjoy the company of and you've That's managed what it's about, to. Though, man. Absolutely. Especially when you spend, you know, it is spending enough time away from, from home because you live in Vancouver still yeah. or Vancouver area. Yeah. I'm sure you don't tour Canada a lot. You tour, Never. I mean, like I said, you're huge overseas in Europe and in England and all of these places. You're away from home. The only way to deal with that is to have people around you that are positive people. And people that, yes. Right? Absolutely. And yeah. also people that in 
maybe it's the same with you that have known you long enough that you can use yes. as a litmus test to know when you're being an ass. Sure. You know? Right, It's right. like I got, you know, guys in my band, I can look. I can, you know, things are happening professionally and things get more intense as time goes on. But I can always look at the guys and I can tell whether or not I'm mm-hmm. reacting to it in a way that's inappropriate, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. I mean, it's the truth, man. It's so, so true. Uh, and I want to talk now about how you started making a name for yourself in the rock world. I mean, you got such a unique uh, niche carved out for yourself. Or is it niche? I'm not sure. I also want to talk about the comedy aspect of your songwriting. Uh, you're a funny guy. Uh, Ziltoid is hilarious. And speaking of hilarious, if you want on-demand laughter at your fingertips... All you got to do is download the CISO app. CISO is the place for amazing comedy, hilarious comedy, and it's only $3.99 a month. What? It's the price of a Starbucks. $3.99 a month. You get unlimited laughs at everything from comedy, classics, stand-up, specials, original series, and your favorite late night and TV shows. I'm talking ad-free, bingeable, watch anytime, anywhere comedy, and it's called CISO, S-E-E-S-O, and as I was saying, they got all your faves, like every episode of SNL ever, including new episodes the day after the air. CISO also has The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. That's hilarious. And shows like 30 Rock, Parks and Recreation. The list goes on and on. Also, the entire Monty Python catalog, which is amazing. The great stand-up specials from Amy Schumer, my lookalike, and Louis C.K. They're also doing their own original stuff like Hidden America with Jonah Ray. It's a comedy travel show where the places are real, but the people are not. It's very funny. And like I said, it's all commercial-free people. So get in on this action. And if you do it right now, do it right now. You can try CISO free for two months by using the promo code podcast one at checkout just go to seeso.com s-e-e-s-o.com sign up for two months free with the promo code podcast one at checkout seeso.com promo code podcast one you want to laugh <laughs> you're gonna get all the laughs you want real laughs at seeso.com go laugh away and do it now Devin Townsend is hanging out on Talk is Jericho, and he's got some thoughts on Metallica. He's done a bunch of projects with former Metallica bass player Jason Newstead, one of which I think was the reason Jason might have gotten fired from Metallica. We'll get that story from Devin, but first we're going to talk about True Car. If you're looking to buy a new or used car, you got to check out TrueCar.com or download the True Car app. True Car helped me buy my Cadillac Escalade last year, made it so easy and fast. I was in and out of the dealership in an hour and a half. When's the last time you bought anything in an hour and a half? Any car, any major battle shoes in an hour and a half you could do that on true car so whether you're looking for a brand new car or a gently used car you can get upfront pricing information from true car and you can enjoy a better car buying experience so when i say upfront pricing i'm talking about real pricing on an actual inventory in stock at the local true car certified dealer using true car on the true car app lets you see what other people paid for the car you want so you can determine a fair price and feel confident when you buy your car true car connects you with a local certified dealer of your schwazen who will honor your guaranteed savings which makes your car buying process quicker and easier right and true car also shows all the dealers available incentives before you arrive at the dealer's ship true car users save on average over three thousand dollars off msrp and over three million cars have been sold to true car users by the true car certified dealer network that's a lot of cars man a lot of choices there's over thirteen thousand dealers in true cars certified dealer network uh, nationwide so there's definitely one near you with a car perfect for you so when you're ready to buy visit true car or download the true car app to enjoy a more confident car buying experience it's going to save you time it's going to save you money it's going to give you peace of mind and i say this because i've used it myself and it really works go check out true car go do it now and remember some features not available in all states this this is talk is jericho when did you start um 
realizing, not realizing, but you started forging a name for yourself, like I said, where you're in Europe and you're, or England and you're selling out Royal Albert Hall. Has this been for the last two years, 10 years? And what, what was it that, that, that got you to that point? New management. Hmm. I think uh, one of my, in my Dungeons and Dragons thing, one of the things that has been, not a failing, but a liability of mine is my uh, inability to uh, curb my creative impulses. So... If I have an idea, the compulsion to take that to its conclusion is such that everything else uh, goes by the wayside. And for many years, I spun my wheels as a result of that. I'm like, I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to do this. And there was never any momentum that happened. I had managers at that point, but they were much more inclined to let me do what it is that I, I wanted to do. So when it became clear to me that the management was no longer... Uh, pushing the career forward, I started looking for some new people. And I talked to a guy in a band that was doing really well. And I said, can you suggest a guy? There's a guy in the UK. His name's Andy Farrow. Uh, he does Opeth and a bunch of other things. And I think that he would be able to get his head around what it is that you do. Mm -hmm. So I had him as a consideration. I talked to a couple other managers before him. And they had said to me, Devin, whatever you want to do is great. We'll facilitate that. Take it as far as you want to go. That's great. And I was like, this sounds ideal. And I met with Andy, and he was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. He <laughs> says, your finances are a mess. You've got no trajectory. You've got all this stuff going on. I don't think I can work with this. I don't even know where to start. And I'm like, yeah, but look, we've got all this, like, we're, there's all this success over here. He's like, yeah, but there's no trajectory. And without that, you're not going to proceed. I'm going to have to go away and think about it. And I was like, oh, shit. And my first thought was like, well, this guy man mm -hmm. he's not telling me what i want to hear right and then he came back and says okay well this is what we need to do musically because you're so um uh diverse with you know, got a new age type record and a death metal record and a jazz record and then True. an orchestra thing he says we need to sell it more as the personality and rather rather than trying to categorize it as as any certain type of thing and if we do that we can put it as like a ringleader or or like the puppeteer thing mm -hmm. or make the book or make whatever you're doing creatively fall under the umbrella of a creative entity rather than a band or, right. a, or an individual right. thing. Like the Zappa model is mm -hmm. what he was trying to go for. And as a result of that, now I've got a guy that tells me no. And for me, at first... I was just like, well, I never. I'm going to have to take a dump <laughs> well, in something never. here. You know? <laughs> I'm going to have to stick some kind of a communication instrument up my ass. Any type. Any type. I'll take that. Dude, we got to do the thing at some point. We got to go between Ziltoid and Captain Spectacular. <laughs> but, it was, uh, but that was it. And then all of a sudden now over the past eight years, Andy's got me on a thing. I'm like, I want to make a symphony. I want it to be a metaphor for power and sex and a quest for God that's futile and ultimately it ends this way and it's going to be a million dollars to do it. We've got to do it in an arena. It's got to have a 100-person orchestra, a 100-person choir, and it has to be brutal. It has to be fundamentally unsellable and it has to be all done in Icelandic and it has to have my own language and all this stuff. And the whole point of it, it has to be incredibly expensive to make the point about where consumerism in music and art has led. And he's like... Okay, but, but before you do that, give me 10 songs with choruses. Mm -hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Like, oh. So we just did it. We put a new one, and it's a little closer to that goal, right? And strangely, it's moving forward. But you know what's interesting to me? You mentioned like this is kind of like a zapper. It's almost like a Steve Vai. Very much. Steve, Steve is kind of like 
whatever it was and how many dumps you took and phones you stuck up your orifices, you might have learned something from that guy because to this day, he still does basically what he wants to do within his, within his brand. Well, here's the thing about my relationship with Vi. When we were young together, it was a very challenging thing for both of us. But now... The relationship that we have is like we're really good friends mm-hmm. and I'll be the first to say that I am incredibly proud to be able to in some small way carry on his lineage because in terms of people being a mentor for me I don't think that anybody uh, would come before Vi hmm. for me like I've learned so much about what I want to do what I don't want to do how to manage myself financially business wise all these things both in the positive and negative from Steve what a great uh, relationship you must have considering back in the day it was almost like a, like you said like the petulant child he must understand the genius that's inside of you to want to continue to help you and mentor you well I mean uh, thank you very much by the way I mean it's like I think that that talking about failure again bringing this back to almost mm-hmm. the beginning for me if I was to look back at all these times I did stupid things and did childish things to my wife or to my friends to Steve how would you go on mm-hmm. like it, mm-hmm. th- that embarrassment sometimes of making such stupid decisions is such that I remember thinking god I just I'm a piece of shit mm-hmm. that was the mantra for a lot of years but then when my kid was born I remember talking to a guy who was maybe 20 years older than me and I was like well what do I do man I've, I've been such a jackass for so long I'm so embarrassed when I look back at this stuff and he's like well honestly you just got to get over it because if you don't, then you're never going to proceed. You'll just become addicted to that sort of sense of, right. I'm a bad person. Mm-hmm. I am not worthy of love or success or anything. And so I look back at these things now and all these experiences, and my relationship with Steve, I think, reflects that more than anything else. Mm-hmm. It's You just have to get over it. Yeah, yeah. You know? You've grown up and, and moved forward from that. In some ways. Uh, quick question. It's interesting to me because... Um, We've never talked about this because we've hardly ever talked, but is this true? Because I've been putting a little bit of Sherlock Holmes together. So you did a thing that was never really a thing, but it was a thing with, with Newstead, Jason yeah. Newstead. Yeah, yeah. Irate, yeah. right? Yeah. I R8, like irate. And at the time, Hetfield flipped out on Jason because he was doing stuff outside of Metallica. Was that the project that he flipped out on? Yeah, but it could have been anybody. I think that it was... Uh, inconsequential who was involved with it. I think the intention of Jason at that point was to try and um, uh, create some sort of sovereignty from Mm -hmm. the whole Metallica camp. And I think that they were upset more at the intention rather than anything to do with the music. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. But but that's that's basically when they kind of told him he was gone well yeah and in fact it was like that whole uh i did a number i think five things with jason in total five songs or five different projects five different projects wow but it was um during all that time uh you know our relationship was it was fun we had Mm -hmm. a good time together but it was never really a like a a real uh, Mm -hmm. tight connection i think in terms of uh creatively but it was fun we were friends right? because just jamming though basically yeah. right? it was never a record deal or no, no, okay no, no, right, no. right it was just fun and but i think that as a result of that time being so tumultuous for him as well i was privy to a lot of things about his mm-hmm. situation that uh that made it clear to me that that uh it wouldn't have mattered who was involved with the project it could have been you it could have been freaking johnny from down the street it didn't matter very much James didn't want him to play with anybody. That's it. Right. But again, it's like you watch their evolution, and there's some people that are very critical of Metallica and, and the ways that they've gone. But 
I actually look at Hetfield, having never met the guy, as a very inspiring cat because he seems to be an, an example of a guy who has put these uh, supposed failures or, or creative missteps to use in his own mind of saying, okay, well, look, at this is, this is something that I tried and this is what I learned from it. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people can glean a lot of um, inspiration from that, especially at his level, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, man, Metallica, it's, it's Metallica. I couldn't imagine being in a band for 30 years. Right. And still giving a shit, <laughs> you know? With other guys. Oh, my God. It's just you. You yeah. do what you want, but yeah. And I still have a hard time giving a shit about it. You know <laughs> you what I mean? You give a shit about yourself. Very rarely, right? So to be in a band and like, okay, God, now we've got to be Metallica. Mm-hmm. We've got a whole thing that relies on us being Metallica. The fact that they're doing things that may be construed as a misstep, like a movie or a festival or a Lulu right. or whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. good on them. For, for you, I mean, at this point in time, it's like you obviously call the shots and you've done such a great job in, in carving your niche. Do you ever go on tour with anybody as a, as a support band at this point? Oh, sure. Who, 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 have you, who do you go out with? Uh, well, we went out with Gojira last week. Were year. they the headliners and you're the... Okay. Yeah, yeah. In the States? Yeah. Okay. The States has never Maybe been Maybe the States, a, yeah. Yeah, the States has never been a big market for mm-hmm. me at all, right? But I think... Uh, it's it's yeah absolutely man and mm-hmm. I, I I think it's good for the creative process like we did um, we were headlining festivals in Europe there we doing like these ones in Finland it's like fifty sixty thousand people headlining it and then we went back to Kingston Ontario <laughs> like to eighteen people. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> but I think without that... That's enough to keep you grounded, you right? Yeah. And the best thing about that show in Kingston is because we couldn't get the gear up, I had to do it acoustic. And because it was advertised as not being acoustic, I had to stand at the door and tell people <laughs> that it's going to be acoustic. And this girl came through. She was just like, what? Who are you? I don't care. I'm here to drink. And I was just... I felt like this is probably really good for my future creative process. Listen, Devon Townshend, that's exactly, I don't care. That's exactly, what's up? And she gave me the look like I was wearing her sweater too. She's like, why are you talking to me? You asshole. And I remember, but literally four days before, I was like, Finland, you know, it was like this huge explosions going off in the sky and everything. We had a, a great night. Like uh, We played Hamilton, Ontario. I remember Sass Jordan was backstage just rocking with us. And there's probably, you know, it's like one of them like uh, Sunday afternoon festivals, you know, it's like Kim Mitchell's the headliner or something yeah. and there was 10,000 people and they're rocking and then we got to get in our car and drive over to Windsor yeah. we played in front of 27 people right like you said and I was like we're never playing Windsor again until the next time when they offered us a big guarantee yeah. we're not doing it we're not doing it guess how many times there was 18 people that time that's good so Windsor Ontario we're never coming back to play for you I'm because sorry the, 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 every time you say it the guarantee gets higher and then <laughs> and the people get lower if you're anything like me then I feel bad for the people who give me the guarantee I'm like I'm sorry, you know, and I feel bad for the people who showed up too. Same. It's Same. like there's nothing worse than like they're looking around like, wow, we suck because there's nobody here. That's it. This really sucks. But I think ultimately, <laughs> man, that's what makes that's what makes it fun. And and people have said to me before, you know, you put a lot of humor into your work. Do you think that's the wisest choice in something that you're trying to portray something of emotional significance to you? But just by the sheer nature of doing this for a living, it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And if you yes. It, you yeah. have to have tongue-in-cheek and have the uh, ability to take the piss out of yourself. You have to. Because this whole business is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. We know that. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, people are dying and things like that at home where, yeah. you know, your, your, your parents are getting older and all these things. None of this matters. 
if you're able to support yourself and your family and have some good moments, mm-hmm. someone like some good coffee, even you know, it's like <laughs> you're good to go. Like man. Zoltan's co- Zoltoy's coffee beans. Yes, but I think that's it, man. It's it's like, yeah, man. I it's it has to be viewed with with tongue in cheek, and I think that's why I. Uh, I uh, enjoy your company, man, yeah. because I see that. In we, we know that we're, like, we're just dudes. You know what I mean? Ten years down the line, who gives a shit about us? <laughs> oh, don't dude. matter. <laughs> Even now. <laughs> I mean, at least in my Ten point, seconds right? from right, Actually, right now, I don't give a shit about either one of us. I don't. I, I could did. care less. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did. But now, now, it's now, all it's over, just, man. It's falling apart. Yeah. As, as we wind down here, I'm just laughing. Can you tell me what your worst gig was and what your best gig was? <laughs> oh, there's been so many. Yeah. Where would you even start? I mean, Kingston, Ontario was That's a good one. no bueno to begin with. <laughs> Uh, I don't. Okay, well, okay. Let me answer this. Well, with, you're from Canada. You can't talk Spanish. Well, yeah, I did, it was no, no good, way, eh? No way. It was no good, man. Well, let me answer that with something that um, that uh, <laughs> I'm hoping you can you can follow up on because I can't remember. Okay. And that's what I was gonna say is a good portion of my job goes into forgetting the experiences because when I get home. I can't drag anybody else right. into it because no one has any perspective. Right. On it. You come home and you're like, it was mind-blowing mm-hmm. and people are like don't care yeah, it's yeah. thursday garbage needs to go <laughs> that's like yeah totally dude so i'm just kind of like so when i come home i'm just like i just want to eliminate the right. memories right, right so right. there's been tons of awesome like mind-blowing experiences and there's been tons of just brutal soul-shattering dark <laughs> yeah. you know the only thing on tv is gummo type <laughs> moments right and it's like but ultimately man we're still here, so hooray for lack of other job skills. <laughs> Let's briefly talk about your new record, Transcendence, man. And there's been so many uh, versions of Devin. From I have Ocean Machine, I have Strapping Young Lad, I have Steve Vai, I have your cover of Sinner on some oh Judas God. Priest tribute record from the mid-90s. You might have even done something on Working Man, too. I did. What was it, which one did you do? Uh, I think it was Natural Science. Natural Science. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. You have so many different sides of the coin to you, um, but yet Transcendence, it's, it's very much the epitome of... Of, of you grandiose um a little fear factor a little zappa a little dream theater a little priest there's a lot of a lot of all your influences kind of wrapped in there is it still easy for you to, to 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 put out these great records after putting out so many over the years no i'm bored of it and i yeah. think that's the biggest problem and and luckily each record that i put out i have to dig further to try and find inspiration mm-hmm. but man i've been bored of this style for so many years man it's like that it's like I, I created this sort of thing that people dig and is becoming more successful the more we do it and i got a great band i got a great group of people but it's if i was to define it, it's like black era you know, black album era Metallica. Metallica with like Def Leppard and Enya and some weird classical stuff over <laughs> top of it with like a ton of echoes and a logo that looks like a Pepsi commercial and right? Phil Spector production. That's it. <laughs> but you see, to to keep mining that to try and find inspiration, dude, I've been out of inspiration for. What are you gonna write about? Love? Come on, <laughs> I'm 44. You know, what I mean, You're married I, for 25 years. Write a song about I I hate going to the bathroom in the middle of the night four times and I have to sit <laughs> each time. But that's a niche market, right? So what I try to do now is I try and put myself out of my comfort zone to find things that inspire. Uh, authentic emotional reactions within the parameters of what is still working and to be able to do that like with a record like Transcendence where the theme was more giving up control and allowing other people into the creative process allows me to have a record that I'm emotionally attached to sounds great keeps the thing going keeps the motion going and now I can go do my symphony Hmm. you know and I'm not I'm not phoning it in but I'll tell you dude it's like to when when I was doing Ocean Machine 22 years old I'm like this is all that I'm resonating with 
But now, dude, like I did a record last year called Casualties of Cool, mm -hmm. which is like this weird sort of horror folk thing. And I love that because that's where I was. Now, what, what, what name was that under? Uh, Casualties of Cool. That was the name of the band? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And it's like, uh, but that for me is great. I mm -hmm. love that. That's where I was at. But to do DTP now, man, it takes a lot of effort. But the one thing I will say about Transcendence and all this stuff is it's probably the best it's been. And emotionally, I'm still connected to it, but it's not easy to be so anymore. Mm -hmm. Is there going to be another Ziltoid record? I banished him. Oh, okay. You know, because uh, let me tell you a little story. When Captain Spectacular died. He actually is dead? He can't be because my son freaked out. Because you cut out the scream at the end. He freaked I out. I cut a I was like, Wah! And that was cut out of the album. But he freaked out. Wow. He freaked out. How old's your son? He's 10. So your well, son at loves. The time, he was eight. So he loves Captain Spectacular. And, and when he died, yeah. I had him in the studio and he was like, what happens now? And I'm like, well, the, the poosers come in that he <laughs> named him because they were. That's the villains, the poosers. They're little bums because. and a Literally bums. Yeah. Because, not okay. like, uh, not out of work guys. No, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> Actual asses. Dep now, depends on if there's another Ziltoid, right? But it was like, I heard that the moon of Saturn was called Titan and it had oceans of methane. And me and my buddy were sitting around drinking coffee and we thought, <laughs> what sort of creatures would live in that? Poozer is what it was. But when I get it, he was sitting around, he was so excited. He had his little book and his doll. And then I was like, well, Captain Spectacular dies and floodgates opened up. And I was like, not really though. <laughs> He comes back. He comes back. It's just an illusion. It's just an illusion. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm I'm currently waiting for the inspiration to strike right. again. Well, if you need Captain Spectacular, my price is going to double this time. Really? Yeah, it's going to go from zero to zero. Well, this, just let oh you my know. God. I zero gotta, to double zero. Can I tell you guys as well? Thank you, by the way. <laughs> I said to Chris, I was like, dude, what can I give you to you do You did this? offer me. I was like, what did I say? You said you can either give me a million dollars or you can just give me... Like some pictures, yeah. On like a I, text. Thread. I think it might <laughs> pictures on our Mike Inez, Devin, Chris text. Thread. That's it right. again, man. It's like I might have made the wrong decision. I, I, you know what? I of all these things that you've done and all these things that I've now retroactively seen you involved with, man. Honestly, brother, thank you so much, dude. dude it was so it's much been fun. A pleasure. Thank and you. I think you're being nice. My, from my recollection, was I said, I think what I said in my mind was, you can either give, give me a million dollars, or you can give me like an anal washing. Oh, that's, that's what true. I thought you said, right? Oh, yeah. So I didn't get either. Yeah, which is fine. But that's if okay. there's, if you want Ziltoid uh, three and Captain Spectacular is back, I'm getting one of those two things. I, I'll tell you All what, right? man. I've got, I've got a whole thing set up. <laughs> I got the dice too, and I'll tell you <laughs> what, dice, man. I'll get them the loaded. So dice. whichever side you. You want to be on man you get every time <laughs> last question man what's your favorite song to play live oh god uh it's hard sometimes uh, yeah i mean some nights all of them some nights none, none of, them. of them i think um on this tour the song failure is actually really cool yeah because it's the first song that i wrote with the band mm -hmm. like i've been such a control freak about right, everything right. that i've done that that the song failure i think represents a paradigm shift for the band because we all contributed to that one and to play it live reminds me of the fact that uh uh you know you can always keep learning right yeah yeah, yeah. and it's always good to have a great team around you essential Great team, man. Dungeons and Dragons and Dungeons coming to a uh, middle-aged 
middle-aged, emotionally dead human being uh, near you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Devin Townsend. Captain Spectacular says good night. Yes. Hoyt, you are always destined to be humanity's last hope. All right, Devin Townsend Project is on the road right now in support of their latest ridiculously awesome album, Transcendence. They're in Europe right now. They'll be in the States starting May 6th for the second leg of the Transcendence Tour. I saw it back in Las Vegas uh, a few months ago, and they were a tremendous band. What a great performer Devin is, and he's just a total whack job, which in a, in a good way. And they're doing dates with Opeth and Gojira. It's a crazy lineup. It's a great lineup. So go check them out. You won't be disappointed. You get tickets at heavydevy.com. That's H-E-V-Y-D-E-V-Y.com. Go check out my fellow Juno Award winner, uh, Devin Townsend. Thank you so much for being here. I love the, uh, well, you might have got Jason Newsted fired from Metallica. He'll always have that on his conscience. So go check out uh, Devi and go check out the uh, Transcendence album. You can get that on Amazon, of course. And if you do, please use the Talk is Jericho links. You can support Devin and your favorite podcast in one quick click. You find my Amazon links at podcastone.com. Click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. I got them Amazon links. USA, UK, Canada, A. Every time you use the Talk is Jericho Amazon links, Amazon kicks back a small percentage to this show to help us cover production costs. Buy anything you want. No hidden fees or extra challenges. Just go to podcastone.com. Click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page, then hit the Talk is Jericho button. you find all my great sponsors there as well, including DDP Yoga, 25% off all DDPY merch and swag. And if you buy a combo pack, you get a second one for 50% off the price. That's already 25% off. You know that one. DDPYoga.com slash Jericho. Go to CISO if you want to laugh. <laughs> Sign up at CISO.com. Get two months free with the promo code PODCAST1 at checkout, S-E-E-S-O.com. Thanks for making the Jericho Network at Podcast One such a tremendous success. Also, don't forget about True Car. If you're going to buy a new car, your used car, uh, and right back to the Jericho Network. Huge success with Beyond the Darkness leading the charge. It's scaring the crap out of everybody. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people getting the, 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 the poop scared out of them five days a week. Beyond the Darkness. Team Tiger Awesome making you laugh every Sunday. Uh, last week's Create a Super Bowl episode which was great. You got to check that out. And of course Killing the Town with Storm and Cyrus on Tuesdays. Uh, Disco Inferno was on this week and ooh, the results weren't good. Lance uh, Lance uh, was vicious, was savage on poor Disco. I think Disco became the big baby face in this. And of course the flagship show the big hit. Keep it at 100 with Conan. Uh, Conan, Disco Inferno, KG nothing is off limits. They cover it all. Aren't afraid to say exactly what on their uh, their minds, their intelligent minds, their wacky minds, their uh, Air Iran minds. You know, they're always doing some stuff on there, having a great time over on Keeping It 100. And this week, they got uh, Ken Shamrock is going to be on the show, which is cool. And, you know, Ken Rock, Ken's uh, Ken fits in with those guys completely. So go hit subscribe at iTunes. You never miss a single episode of any of the great shows on the Jericho Network. We've got a lot more coming. Believe me, i got a lot more chomping at the bit. Chomping, chomping at the bit. Leave everyone a rating and review. We're recording the new Fozzie record as we speak. Go to Chris Jericho Fozzie on Instagram or on the Twitter at I am Jericho to catch a couple snippets of a couple of the tunes. The people are going nuts for them. They're great, great songs. You're going to love it. And you're also going to love uh, Mick Foley, March 15th, 2017. 39 days and counting until the biggest podcast ever. Hard to believe we've been talking about this for almost a year. And uh, it's it's coming true. It's coming. So you're going to love it. Thank you for listening today. Keep listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next and coming up next Wednesday. That was my imitation of Cult of Personality. Didn't do very good. Uh, but it's not CM Punk. Sorry. It's Living Color, the band that wrote the song that CM Punk used to come to the ring. And what an interesting band they are. One of the first African-American 
hard rock, heavy metal bands talking all about their uh, experiences in the 80s. When they first showed up as a rock and roll band, they were directed to the rhythm and blues department of their record company. Still some crazy uh, segregation type stories from them. Living Color, all four members are going to be here. Doug Wimbish, Corey Glover, Vernon Reed, and of course Will Calhoun on the drums. You are going to love it. They're great. Boy, they got a lot to say, and they're going to be here on Wednesday. I got a lot to say, and it involves this. Have a great week. Uh, stay hard. Stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. Be safe this weekend. And remember, always, if you're ever in any doubt, remember this. Yeah, boy! You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Hey, I'm Steve Bertoni, host of the Forbes Interview Podcast, where we sit down with the people you see on the cover of Forbes. We're talking the world's wealthiest and most influential leaders. Like Richard Branson, Jessica Alba, Adam Carolla, Ashton Kutcher, Michael Phelps, Jason Derulo, Guy Siri, and IEX CEO Brad Katsuyama. All this on the Forbes interview. Download or subscribe on podcastone.com or iTunes.